Welcome back for episode 23 of Self-Signed Artist. Today we're talking to Riley Simone, the front of house engineer and tour manager for the Adam Ezra Group. You're listening to Self-Signed Artist, the podcast that helps independent musicians run their brand like a business. Now, your hosts, Kobe Nelson and Jake Mannix. How's it going, everybody? I'm Kobe Nelson, and I'm here with my co-host, Jake Mannix. Hello, hello. And our guest today is quickly becoming an expert on all things DIY tour. She currently tours with the Adam Ezra Group and has a hand in just about every part of the touring process from front of house sound engineering to live streams to tour managing to merch. Riley Simone, welcome to the podcast, Riley. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you very much for taking the time out of what I know is a very busy schedule to to talk to us today. Yeah, of course. I actually have a day off, which is very, <laughs> very weird for me. Yeah. So, so actually to start us off, why don't you tell us a little bit about that, what you're doing, maybe a little bit about the Adam Ezra group? Uh, yeah. So um, Adam Ezra has been, you know, making music for around 10 years now, and he's kind of had um, some different musicians in and out of the band making music with him. But for the most part, all of the music that they're playing is all of his own songwriting and music that he's been writing. And they have been doing some extensive touring for a long time now. And um, usually they tour from February until New Year's Eve. And then on New Year's Eve, January and like that time adam will do a get folked tour he calls it where he goes by himself around to different houses and plays house concerts at fans houses um like just in their living room or whatever so when this pandemic hit they had um a bunch of tours lined up and actually i hadn't even really started working with them yet um they hired me in december and we had plans for me to take breaks from college on the weekends to like go to their shows and like learn stuff from them. But then the pandemic hit and we were kind of just on hold for a little bit. And during that time period, Adam, I guess he says he was sad one night and went on to Facebook to play some music for our live stream. And at the end of it said to the people who were there, you know, if you come back tomorrow night, I'll come back tomorrow night. And we're on day 213 of him going back to the Facebook live stream every night at seven o'clock. So he was doing that for a while. And then, um, He had the Get Folked audience where he was like going to their houses and working with them. And he said to them, you know, what if we tried this live? He calls his uh, nightly live streams gatherings. Mm. So um, he's like, what if we try some live gatherings and, you know, we take your backyard and like do some socially distanced pods and keep everyone safe and spaced out and all of that. And they agreed to it because his fans are you know, love them, but crazy and will like do anything (laughs) to hear his music. So uh, we started going to people's backyards and playing concerts in their backyards. But Adam didn't want to stop doing the live streams, of course. And a normal show for us in someone's backyard is that we start the concert at six o'clock and we play until seven. 
nothing really changes with the concerts format, but then we we turn on the camera from seven to eight o'clock and then um, he says his goodbye to the live stream. And usually we play for a little bit after that just to say, you know, goodbye and thank you to the people who are in the backyard with us. So, yeah, it's been it's been a whirlwind. <laughs> and now that it's starting to get cold, it's it's getting more difficult for us to play these kinds of shows. So, yeah, doing them all outside and everything like that. Yeah. yeah. With all of this, so as soon as you started, you kind of jumped into this role where you're you're really covering a lot of different parts of the whole tour, really. You're tell us a little bit about your whole job, because it's I don't know, it seems like it's like six jobs in one or something like that, <laughs> at least from the conversations that we've had. So just tell us a little bit about that and what your role has turned into and how it kind of breaks down overall. Yeah. It's it's definitely a lot of things that I've never done before in my life. And when Adam and I talked about me joining the team, I expressed to him that I had never done a lot of these things before. <laughs> and he was cool with it. So, I mean, he knew what he was getting himself into <laughs> when he hired someone who was very um, unexperienced. But Well, I um, mean, you have a background in recording and things like that. Yeah, so. it's just uh, so I had the background in recording, but, you know, doing live concerts I I don't know if this was naive of me, but was a huge transition for me. Like the way that you listen is so much different than the way that you're listening when you're in a recording studio. That was kind of a big jump for me. But anyway, um, my main focus is like the live sound. So they're like front of house engineer. But I also do a lot of their tour managing stuff. So uh, when we're going to a venue... You know, giving them a call saying, here's our rider, here's our stage plot, load in is X, Y, and Z, stuff like that. I also handle kind of all of the the merchandise shipping. So any any online orders that we get for merchandise, I take care of uh, controlling the merchandise for, so I, I'll like pack it for when we're going on tour, like when we're leaving, make sure that we have it packed for the week. And then while we're there, keeping the inventory of everything that we have. And now we have this whole live streaming element. So I'm doing a lot of the live streaming, setting up the live stream. And then while the live stream is going, I sit and watch it and sometimes moderate it. So I'll be replying to fans and talking to them as the show is going on while they're asking, like, is that a dog in the background? And I'm like, yes, there is a dog barking (laughs) in the background. Um, And then they ask to see the dog. And sometimes I have to bring the dog on screen. (laughs) So it's just stuff like that. And then we also, we actually just started this up. Um, The guy who's previous to me in this position, um, Bobby, he started this thing called the Live Sound Project. So every night he records the show or now I'm doing this. We record the show. And then um, after the show on a little thumb drive, we sell the concert so that people can like take Mm. it home with them. So I just started doing that now too. And then uh, I think that's... (sighs) That's all that I do. I don't even know. <laughs> That's it? That's all you do? <laughs> That's a ton of I things. I know. Um, I have to, like, I do, like, a lot of interny stuff, too. Like, going and picking up his guitar and bringing it to be repaired <laughs> and, like, that kind of stuff. So, it's it's a lot of different things. I feel like I people will be like, oh, can you do this? And I'm like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and I just do that. So <laughs> there's, I mean, there's a lot that I want to unpack in all of that because i think a lot of those things could be useful things to hear about for a lot of our listeners who who might be looking for ways to kind of beef up their live performances 
and, and get something kind of similar going on. But for for now, let's circle back to I want to talk a little bit about the live streams because. I mean, with the pandemic and everything, obviously, live streams have become a, a big topic that have been covered by a lot of other podcasts, you know, YouTubers, blogs, all that kind of stuff over the past few months. But I think in a lot of the resources out there, people are talking about just live streams, you know, like the performance is only a live stream, not also a live concert with an actual audience of human beings in the same physical location as the musicians. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, do you think that there's a benefit to doing both of those simultaneously? I mean, even though maybe there are some extra challenges that go along with that, does some of the audience being present change the actual experience for the people tuning in to the live stream in a good way, you think? Um, I think there's a lot of different answers to that question. I think... Probably one of the biggest things is, you know, for the band having an audience is a lot more they feed off of that energy. The concert becomes Mm -hmm. a lot more fun for everybody involved because they have like the clapping and the feedback from the people who are actually there kind of thing instead of just staring at a screen and interacting, you know, with emoticons that are coming up or whatever. Right. Um, So I think that's one benefit of it. I also think that. In a, in a profit aspect of this all, we are still making money on the concerts that we're doing because people are paying to be in our backyard and it's not an, a ginormous amount of money. However, we are then broadcasting to a bunch more people online for free. Like they're not paying for this experience, uh, the people who are joining in online. And we get, when, when we are live in the moment, we get like around 380 every night people who are tuning in but after the fact we have like a thousand views or something ridiculous like that and so i think that one of the benefits is all of those a thousand people who are viewing in you know from from their couch or from their dining room or wherever are then saying oh my gosh look at how fun that concert is i want to go to that concert can't wait till they're in my area so that i can go to a live gathering and it's kind of just building our community even more making that part of it bigger I also think that, you know, they will comment the like when the crowd claps, they'll be like, oh, my gosh, that's so fun to hear like actual people clapping. <laughs> um, so I do think that the people online enjoy it and the people who are in the backyard don't even bat an eye to what's going on kind of thing. But you are interacting also with people in the live stream at the same time that the concert's going on. So you're you mentioned to me before about moderating the the live stream how tell me a little bit about that and and trying to create that experience for those people at home yeah we try to have somebody moderating from our team every single night so that if anybody has any questions or anything that those can be answered it varies from people in the band to people who you know help us out in management and stuff like that but um like kind of as i said they'll be like oh my gosh is that a dog in the background and i'll type back and be like (laughs) yes that is a dog um or they'll be like where are you tonight um People will be like, oh, it's my 
50th birthday and then everyone in the comments is like happy birthday happy birthday so I think like (laughs) it really makes the people who are commenting feel special that we're all going back and forth someone will be like oh I'm drinking um, my homemade sangria tonight what is everybody else drinking (laughs) and everybody will start commenting what they're drinking and I'll be like I'm drinking a water because I'm working Um, and so we'll all joke around about that kind of stuff so I think that The people online are, I know that they're there for the concert, but I also think they're there for the community of it to like talk with their online friends in the chat about what they're doing today and all of that kind of stuff. So I feel like it's, it's different for every person that's watching, but it's definitely a community feel in that, in that chat box. Yeah. I think that's really interesting, actually, that it's kind of like, I don't know, we, we sort of think of live streams sometimes as like a compromise, like a you're simulating being at the show or something like that. But I think in this sort of case, especially when there's that live audience there, you are getting some of that simulation. You're hearing the audience applaud and everything and getting a, at least a little bit of the feeling of, of being there. But at the same time, you have this other aspect that you really don't have at an actual live concert. Like if you're on the live stream and you're you're seeing all these comments, you're seeing people's reactions, people are interacting and talking to one another while still, you know, listening. You, you don't have to shout over music or feel like you're disrupting people around or anything like that. It's kind of interesting that there's a whole nother dimension to that, I think, that makes it uh, a really interesting experience. I want to get your perspective on live streams going forward because kind of being on the ground, seeing this play out, do you think that there's going to be a future of live streams past the pandemic and and when we can get back to just regular shows? Or do you think that's going to be something that fizzles out over time? It's hard to say. I want to say that I think it's going to continue on. I think that people are getting used to sitting in their pajamas at home watching a concert. It's also fun to get dressed and go out to a concert kind of thing. But a lot of people, there are a lot of homebodies who I think are really finding their niche within this pandemic of, (laughs) oh my gosh, I can stay at home and do X, Y, and Z. So I think it's, I think it's a catch 22. I know that the band, we've talked about how how much we love these backyard gatherings and how nice it is because they're so intimate in that you know, even after the pandemic, if things get normal, that it would be so much fun to just continue to do things like this and, you know, just add more people to the backyard kind of thing. So I think the the live streaming, I think it, it could have a future, especially with like, if you think about it, like look at award ceremonies, those are basically live streams, like with people right. doing yeah. all of that kind of stuff. It's It's been something that has been an attraction for a long time. So I feel like it, I feel like it could definitely continue strong after the pandemic is over. Yeah, it's kind of like bringing the televised concert to the broader music community, the the a, a bigger market than just like a superstar sort of, yeah, like, I don't know, a Grammys performance or something like that. Like anybody now can have that sort of televised experience. You also mentioned that the live streams are free. Do you think that's something that would continue um, sort of as like a, a publicity kind of thing? Trying to raise awareness about the band uh, or an artist? Or, or do you think that has potential to go to something behind a paywall or something like that where you can monetize both? 
For us or for like in general for people? For either, yeah. For for you guys in particular or in, in general. For us, I I don't think it will. Adam has a, a very strong belief that like, for example, at our concerts, at our merch station, we have a bunch of CDs out and with our other merch and everything, our clothing and all that. And in the middle of the table, we have a box and it says, I love you on it. We call it the I love you box. And um, <laughs> Adam, at the end of shows, encourages people, you know, to come to the merch table, buy whatever they want. And that CDs don't have a price on them. You pay whatever you want for them. And if you can't pay anything for them, that's okay to take a CD because he'd rather share his music with you than not have you miss out on enjoying the music of it all. And I think that's a mantra that he's really lived by with this band. So I can't see him personally charging for it in the future. Other bands, I could definitely see. There's so many bands right now that are charging for this kind of stuff. They're... They're doing it like once a month and are charging $20 to get onto a live stream kind of thing, Um, which I mean, you have to make your money in whatever way you think you need to be making your money. But for for our for our fan base and for our community, I don't think that's something that would be in our future. Mm. That's an interesting way of thinking about about things. I like that kind of attitude uh, of sharing the music and having it be about the music. And I think I think for a lot of people, for any artists out there listening who would be considering doing live streams and trying to figure out whether or not it's something that you would want to monetize, it really does have to come down to considering considering the audience, considering your own values and things like that and and, and trying to be as true to what you are are putting out there as as you can. That's not to say that I think monetizing live streams would be wrong in any way. That's totally a valid thing. I think that if that's if that's part of the way that that you want to run your business, that's totally totally fine. You just have to consider those those things and and figure out what works best for you. Continuing on the live stream idea, I want to talk to you a little bit about the gear and and the the technology involved. I mean, in this podcast we're really not very gear centric. We don't talk about gear very much, but I think in this context, it's, I think a lot of the people who are out there listening who might be considering trying to do something similar, live streaming either on their own or as part of a, an actual live show, they're going to have questions about how you actually make this happen. How do you actually set up a live stream for people to be able to view it and hear it so for you guys what is what is the actual setup what are you guys using so we um i'm not 100 sure how adam found this application but we use an application called ecam to broadcast it it does cost money for the full version of it but it allows you to do cross posting so if we were working with like a festival that was doing an online festival kind of thing. We could post for our gathering and for that festival at the same exact time, which is kind of why we purchased that because we do that kind of often. So we use that's the application that we live stream through. However, we have had technical difficulties where we have had to like live stream just directly to Facebook. But we use a Yeti microphone for our sound. Um kind of just set it up somewhere in front of our speaker system and make sure that it's, you know, not clipping or whatever. And then we use a Mevo camera 
I don't know if you've heard of those before. No, we uh, we had a uh, like a just regular webcam. We had bought like a you know like webcam from like Staples or something. Um, and it was the worst thing ever. It was such bad quality, <laughs> and like it was it was it was like every single day it got worse, which I don't know how it's possible. But um, <laughs> so then we invested in this Mevo camera which has been fantastic. The Mevo also has a microphone on it. And when Adam is by himself, like just playing guitar or piano, sometimes he'll just use the Mevo microphone. I don't like it as much. I think it's a bit muffled. So I preferred to have the Yeti, but whatever. And we try to plug our ethernet in directly instead of being on Wi-Fi, we've had a lot of issues with just connecting to Wi-Fi, and we found that when we are plugging directly in, we have a lot more luck with things. Yeah, and we have bought a we had to buy like lights because it got dark when we were playing the concerts, right, yeah. and um, <laughs> it was and for cameras. Yeah, that's definitely a consideration more so than for even for an audience sitting there. Yes, in front. Yeah, we were like, we don't care about the audience. Like, we need the lights for. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we were we were struggling because we uh, it was getting like really dark out, and we were like, crap, we need lights. So we bought string lights, and the string lights were not enough. So then we had to buy like actual like nice lights or whatever. And yeah, that's kind of it's kind of all that we use for live streaming portion of it. Well, that's cool. I mean, it's that's a a fairly simple setup, which I think is important for for something like a live stream. I think a lot of the people who I don't know consider setting something up like this for themselves, it's really easy to take it to like an extreme as far as like gear you need or I don't know things like that where you're you're super worried about every little detail of quality and stuff like that. I don't know for like for you, Jake, we're both kind of like gearhead people. Like I know for myself, that would be something that I would be stressing out about and considering and probably overdo it. But at the same time, I think I don't know how much quality in the live stream matters as much as like creating the experience. Like I'd be interested to get your perspective on that, Jake, too. Like how much do you think that in a concert sort of setting, the the quality of the live stream is important versus just getting the the show across. I mean, I think it's I think it's way more important to get the show across and and the vibe across than to worry about the quality. But I don't think you should ignore quality. Like I True. don't think yeah. you should use like a built in. 2008 laptop <laughs> my, just like uh, webcam mic <laughs> yeah but yeah yes yeah, i would probably be the same way as you i would probably go way way crazy and have like it going somewhere else so i can hear it prior to it going to the live stream so i could like hit it with a bunch of plugins and stuff <laughs> right but that the the way you have it set up riley is straightforward and a pretty elegant solution really because you don't have to worry about two things going on at once, right? Like you're not you're not creating a mix for the live stream no. in addition to a mix for the live audience. And and since you're doing all of that yourself, I feel like that would be that would be pretty insane to have to worry about both those things, be monitoring both of them. So for you, you're creating the live mix, and then the live mix is coming through the speakers, going into the microphone, and going straight out to the live stream. That's a pretty simple elegant solution and you're taking out a lot of the potential i think for issues yeah i've thought about trying to get in output from our board 
to go for the live stream. However, I already have, you know, like our one output going to our speaker system and then the other output is going to um, the live sound project recording that we're doing. So I've thought about like Mm -hmm. making an aux for it. I just, it's the easiest right now with having the Yeti microphone up. Um, Every once in a while, we'll get fancy and put up a second camera. There's a app for the iPhone called EpoCam, which turns your iPhone into more of like a camcorder, like a, it duplicates your screen. I don't really know how it works, but it works. And we'll use that as like a second camera sometimes. And the Mevo also has a feature where you can view it on your phone. So you can connect your phone to it and pull it up on your phone. And then you can like zoom in and pan across the screen and stuff like on your phone. So I've played around with that a little bit, but it scares me because it's like super touchy. (laughs) And I've like, I've messed it up a couple of times and like now I'm petrified to do it. Um, So yeah, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty simple setup just because I've got so many other things going on at the same time. So Right. It's simple, but at the same time, that adds a lot of value to the show as a whole for the people, especially for the people at home, because obviously if if they didn't have that, they wouldn't have a show. So I think that's just something that a lot of people who would be considering this need to kind of hear that you don't have to go too crazy. I mean, you're you're capable of juggling a lot of things yourself, but I, I don't know if a lot of people out there would feel comfortable juggling all of these setups on their own. So I think that would be kind of intimidating. But I think that's a good example that it's it doesn't have to be super crazy and it's something that you can do and and doing it even in a simple way adds a lot of value to the overall performance. So I think that's a really cool thing. One of the other things that you've mentioned that I want to talk to you about, it's actually something that we've mentioned on the podcast before, and that's creating the recordings of the actual show. I can't what was the term that you used for uh, it? we call it the live sound project. The live sound project. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that too, because I think that's an another great way to add value to a show for the people who are who are there. So can you break down how that sort of setup works and, and what goes into that? Yeah. So I'm actually like using the setup right now to <laughs> record for you guys. Um <laughs> but I we use an application called Audio Hijack. So we have it monitoring Pro Tools. So we have all of our inputs coming into Pro Tools, but we're not actually recording through Pro Tools. The application is just using Pro Tools as a monitoring system. And the way that the reason that we do this is because this application allows us to split. So after every one of his songs, I can click the split button and it'll like cut the songs into individual songs whereas in pro tools it's a lot more difficult to do that i would be taking me a long time after the show to like go through even if i did do markers or something like that so yeah i i have a board mix that i we have like a little audio box presonus interface and i have a board mix that goes into there and then i set up two microphones for you know like the the crowd and outdoor sounds and stuff because it's actually been really nice for some of the songs to have like the crickets in the background like from the yeah, outside for folk and music that's it's like cool, so nice actually. i'll like be listening i'll be like wow we should like release this no but um <laughs> yeah so i I bring then those in and I just do a simple mix of the board to the ambient like uh, mics that I have set up and that goes into our little application and I just split it up. And then after the concert, 
Adam usually likes to end the concerts with a group singing. So um, he usually will unplug and go acoustic and have the audience join in singing with him. He'll do something that people know, like uh, Let It Be or something like that. So during that time is when I go in and, you know, um, I take one of our, our cards put it into my computer, put everything onto the card, and then we have a duplicator. And so I plug our master into the duplicator and plug. I usually do like 15 a night because we have such small crowds right now. And then I make 15 copies of it. And then we put it out on the table and people can take them home with them. Is that something that you're selling or people are, that's part of what's included for the Um, concert? They're technically being sold, but it's kind of like the same thing as the CDs if you came up to us. Right. And said, you know, I really want one of these, but sorry, I only have $5. Then put $5 in the box and mm. go ahead and take one. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really cool. And that's something that, I don't know, I've thought a lot about for for artists who are putting on shows and stuff like that, that it, I don't know, it's one of those things that sounds, it sounds like it shouldn't be too hard because you're already creating this mix that's going out to front of house and everything. So all you really have to do is put a recorder in the path somewhere after the board and record what's going in. But every time I think about it, there there are all these little things that pop up. Like one of the big things is one of the things that you mentioned, being able to split between songs. Like if you're, I don't know, if you're recording to a CD recorder or something like that, you might be able to split between songs. It kind of depends on what gear or what application you're using, whether or not you can do that in an easy way then on top of that yeah there's the duplication how how long how much how time consuming is it to actually duplicate all of the copies after the fact is that something that you're spending a lot of time on or is it pretty fast um on a good night takes me like seven minutes okay um on a night when the duplicator is not happy with me and it doesn't want to (laughs) work um it can take a bit longer it just it depends usually also like longer concerts and stuff like that can come into the factors of all of that but not too long it doesn't take me more than 10 minutes i would say yeah because i mean that's one of the big considerations i think for anybody who would be thinking about trying to do this is that yeah it's great to be able to record something but you also have to be able to make enough of them that the audience members who want it can buy it and bring it home or, or at, i guess the other thing to think about there is uh, for you guys at least in your experience is it just people at the specific concert that you record who are buying the recordings from that concert or is it other people after the fact maybe from the website or anything like that who are buying recordings of a specific concert both it's mostly people from the concert buying them however we do have them online the only thing is um after the night of the concert once they get uploaded online they're just digital okay you don't get like the thumb drive we don't mail that to you just get the digital download of it which makes sense yeah yeah easier also i was gonna say that another part of like me having the time to to do that and like because I am I'm rushing to get it to the merch table so that the line doesn't get too long of people like waiting for these is that I do it during the last song so while they're performing the last song the audience doesn't get a recording of the last song but it gives me a four minute like leeway of getting it to the duplicator in time and all of that so that's interesting too and that's that's you could almost treat that as a an experience thing for the show too you know like as an audience member you know that that last song isn't going to be recorded you're only going to get that one time it kind of 
you get the best of both worlds there where you can create this memento that somebody can bring home from the concert that has all the songs except for that last one that one's just in the moments that i mean you could almost treat that as kind of like a cool extra value adding thing too for being i mean logistically it started because they're playing it acoustic and we couldn't really get a good recording of them playing it acoustically (laughs) um other than like our our little stereo marks but when we were like in a club you know you cannot hear them through because the stereo mics weren't as close to the stage as i'm able to put them now in these backyard settings so originally it had started because he always always did the last song acoustic and um you couldn't hear it so we would just start the duplication process during that time period but i guess every once in a while depends on the show i'll include the last song depends on like how rushed i'm feeling how big the crowd is for that night um on if i record the last song or not just depends yeah so for that actual recording like you obviously have a, a background in music you're an audio engineer like you're you're there for that purpose to actually create the live sound experience in the room and also create the recording for bands or artists that don't have O'Reilly there to take care of all of this. I mean, what are the challenges there or or how how do you think people might be able to do that? Do you think that's a, a viable option if you don't have a dedicated front of house engineer who's traveling with you and stuff like that? Do you think it would be worth setting up a I don't know, setting up just kind of a standalone recorder to record the output of the board? for like an in-house engineer at a certain venue or anything like that? Or do you think it's really a requirement that you have a dedicated person handling that? I think that's a really hard question. And I think that's ultimately up to the band because it's hard with a a sound person that's not traveling with you, doesn't know your sound, doesn't know what's Mm -hmm. happening in your songs. So of course the mix isn't going to be as great as someone who knows your music, like the back of your hand. I still, I don't... I don't know. I think that a lot of times when people go to concerts, they want like little things from that concert that they can take with them. At least Mm -hmm. I feel that way myself. Like I love to get a t-shirt at a concert or take a CD home with me just to be like, oh, this is from when I went to see them on X date kind of thing. And I think that that's a really special one because it's a a literal document of the night that you just had or the day that you had. Um, So I don't know if it matters as much on the kind of like we were talking earlier with the live stream like the quality of it quality but of having it and you know having something that your fans can keep and hold on to and the other thing about live music is our shows are different every single night and little things happen every single night jokes are made and you know when you make those jokes with your audience it's like a connection it's like an inside joke between you and the audience that makes the audience like feel special and then they can go back and listen to that and be like oh my gosh that was like something that just happened at our concert like and i have a document of it kind of thing Mm -hmm. um so i think it's more about that than the quality of of what's on it if that makes sense I think that's huge and something that people overlook a lot when they're thinking about live shows. I don't know. That's that's something that we talk about a lot. A lot of people talk about that building an experience at a show where you're communicating with the audience, you're you're interacting with them, feeding off them, they're feeding off you, and you get those little things. But I I, I think that that's that's a great reason to try and record something because 
that's that's what people want. They want to be able to relive that experience. And you can do that in your memory and it's you take that with you and it's a, a fun thing that you you got to do and got to experience. But having that little extra thing, I think that's a huge opportunity for people, especially if you're selling them afterwards. I mean, as like a, a way to make money off of a show. Oh, it's a huge profit. The the nights that we sell those, we we get like our profit is much higher in those nights mm. because pe- so many people will buy them. Well, and that's really interesting too, because and and that says something right there because a t shirt is one thing. You have a, a t shirt for a tour or something like that where it's meant to kind of when you look at it, you you think back to the night or something like that. That's that's one type of memento that you can use to relive the experience. But the recording is one step above that, I think. Is there is there any plan to do do you, do you guys record the live streams? Do you have any like video recording or anything like that or is it just audio at this point? Um no, our live streams are still up on Facebook, so like you can go see them on Facebook at any time. And then we also save them. We have them like in the cloud saved just in case we ever like want to use them for something. Quickly circling back to the recording aspect, mm-hmm. another um Another advantage of it is the band also really likes being able to listen to their shows from the night before and discuss things that happened in the show and talk about like, oh, we want to like hear how much we sped up in this song or, you know, like what happened in this song. So it's even if it's like not the best recording, you can go back and listen to it and say like, oh, we did this in the song or hey, I really liked that groove you did. Oh, what groove was it? And you can go back and listen to it kind of thing. That's really interesting. And that's something I've never really thought about. I don't know if that's, is that something that you've ever considered, Jake? Like in the past, when we were talking about live shows, we did an episode on making live shows more engaging and things like that. And we talked about a lot about rehearsal and, and using that, having somebody in the room during rehearsal or having a mirror to give you that sort of feedback. Jake, for yourself, I mean, is that something that you would use at a concert or anything like that? Would you look back on a recording? Um, at a concert, I've never thought to do that. So probably that's a pretty good idea, but, um, I have done it in the past during rehearsals. Mm, like recorded a rehearsal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that feedback is something that could be really big for a lot of artists. Cause that's another thing. Like it's a, a fleeting moment for an audience member, but it's also a fleeting moment for the artist and for the band where yeah, it happens and it passes and you have to think back to it and and say, oh, did we rush? I don't know. Do you think we rushed? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think that's actually a really powerful tool that a lot of artists could use as well. So it's, yeah, it's not just about monetizing things or making a profit. It's also a way to actually make you better at your craft. I'm glad you brought that up. That's actually a really, really good point that I think a lot of people should look into and and, and think about. And I mean, I use it for myself too. Like I'll, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a lot of experience in folk music. So a lot of times like I'll say, you know, I struggled with the bass part last night. Could we listen to it? And like, you give me feedback on where you think it should be in the mix kind of thing. So I use it as a tool for myself too. I think that we all get a little bit of use out of those recordings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very true. I don't think that there are a lot of artists or bands out there that are doing as much as you guys are doing when it when it comes to the live shows if you could generalize overall riley what do you think or actually jake too like if if there's anything that you can think of 
What do you think the biggest missed opportunities are for most artists or bands when it comes to touring or live shows? Like, should everybody be trying to do live streams and concert recordings and using it for review? Or or are there other things on top of that that are kind of missed opportunities from both of your experience with live shows? I mean, that's not really my area of expertise. What do you guys think are the biggest missed opportunities? I'll let you go first, Riley. Um, I think, you know, the live recordings are probably a big one for me. I I mean, it depends on the size of your fan base and the size of, you know, like what you're doing and everything. But another thing is like meeting the fans like the the band. Um, we don't do this anymore because of the pandemic. But beforehand, at the end of shows, we don't have people that we hire to sell our merch. We sell our merch. So the band is like out there talking to people and like we're not just on the stage that we're down selling our own merch and doing all like that kind of stuff, too. Um, And meeting the people that are listening to our music and letting them meet the people who are creating the music kind of thing. True. That's a good point. Jake, do you do that at your shows? Do you sell your own merch or is there do you have like a person who sits at the merch table? Um, I've only had one show that I sold merch at and I had actually... Brandon Kapoor. Ah, <laughs> friend of the podcast. Yeah. Sit there and with his drummer and myself and whoever else. But I want to double down on meeting the fans for mm-hmm. sure. I think that that is a huge part of it. For instance, when Johnny Two Phones did the show with Juice World, RIP, at the Palace Theater here, and the show was ending, like, Johnny did his set. There was someone, I can't remember if there was someone else in between or not. And then Juice did his set. And then Johnny always likes to get a picture with like whoever he's opening for. But like this was the biggest show we had done in the area yet, I think. So there was tons and tons of people there and tons and tons of his fans that wanted to meet him. But he wanted to get a picture with Juice. And so... (laughs) I was like, dude, go outside, go out front and get the pictures. And he was mobbed. There were so many people, so, so many people. <laughs> and he like he said he got an ex- like an insane amount of followers from that. Because like when you're meeting people, they're taking pictures and then they're tagging you and all that stuff. You know what I mean? And then you right. have the people that see that that are going to go and, and visit you and all that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, that's super important, I think, for building that like personal connection because – Yes, if you're yes, you're playing live, you're physically in front of these people, you can get up close to them and interact with them during the concert. But even for artists that do that really well, I think there's always that little bit of like distance. Like you, it still feels like a performance. It still feels like they're putting on a show for you and there's less of that like real personal like person to person contact and communication. So yeah, I think you guys are both absolutely right that just being able to say hi afterwards is really important. And I I like the idea of selling your own merch. That's a great way to go about doing that where it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like a a put on thing, you know, like it's not like, it's not even like a VIP meeting or anything like that where it's like, oh, you have this chance to go meet the artist. It's a natural feeling thing, like an organic way to meet the artist. I think that's a great idea. Cool. So is there is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with, Riley? Any 
anything coming up for you guys that people should check out or any other things to think about when putting on live shows? I mean, uh, if you wanted to check out the Adam Ezra group, we're on Facebook. Just type in our name. You can find our page and all of our live streams are there. You can see all of the good, all of the bad. There have been many bad. <laughs> um, and I think that's one of the things to talk about with live streams is that there's going to be bad ones and there's going to be like mess ups and everything. And it's hard in the moment because you're broadcasting to people and people are seeing it. However, I think it just shows that you're human and that we're all like just trying to figure this whole entire thing out and that the mistakes will happen and there are things to learn from. So just get back up and try again and figure it out kind of thing. Um, Because we definitely did a lot of that in the beginning and uh, we still mess up now. Are you kidding? Like (laughs) the the application (laughs) shut down on me the other night and it's never done that before. And I was like, well, all right. So then I had to grab a cell phone and live stream from a cell phone. So it's just it's. technology is is so much fun yeah. so uh yeah it's it's a learning experience and i really do believe that anybody can do it it's it's very easy you have you have a phone you have a laptop you know you don't need a uh hundred dollar camera to do this you can an iphone actually has fantastic quality for like live streaming like the picture is really good the sound isn't the best but i can only imagine like another kind of what are like the galaxy or whatever kinds of phones there are. like mm-hmm. the google oh my gosh doesn't that have an amazing camera that would probably be fantastic yeah. to live stream from but there's lots of different avenues and lots of different ways to be able to achieve like whatever you're trying to achieve for your for your group yeah, that's true. I think if there's going to be anything that comes out of this pandemic that's good for the music industry as a whole, I think advancing all of that and, and getting people to actually try things is going to be one of the, the the biggest benefits to the overall music industry because everybody's sort of forced to figure it out, make it work, and then we're all going to come out of this knowing a little bit more about how to do it and how to make it a, a great experience. So, I mean... You're out there paving the way for for everybody else who's who's going to come after and try and make uh, this work for themselves. Oh my goodness, I don't know about that. Um, That's so- a little bit too much props, um, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, th- well, thank you so much, Riley, for taking the time to talk to us and give our listeners an insight into what's possible for maximizing the live show experience and and figuring it out and making it work. And even in these weird times, I mean, not every band or artist out there is lucky enough to have somebody with your expertise and your background and your dedication and work ethic to pull all this off. But I think this episode will get a lot of people's minds kind of turning about what they can set up to take their own performances one step further and make it a better experience for everybody, even the the, the people who are in person at the concert and the people who are potentially listening from home. So everybody go check out the Adam Ezra group. Like Riley said, you can check them out on Facebook. There's also a website, adamezra.com. And for just so you can spell it, it's A-D-A-M-E-Z-R-A, Adam Ezra. And and go there and check out and, and see what Riley's working on and start thinking about ways that you can apply some of the same strategies to your own shows. And then also, I'd love to hear what people are figuring out for themselves on our Facebook group at Self-Sign Artist... What is it, what is it called? <laughs> Why am I blanking Self-Signed out? Self-Signed Community? Yes, at Self-Signed Community. You'd think I would know that by now. 
head over to Self Sign Community on Facebook and let us know what you're doing and if you've tried any of these things. And if you have, what what issues have you had? What have you needed to problem solve? And let's just help each other figure out ways that we can make this the best it can possibly be for, for everybody who's trying to use these strategies. Again, thank you very much, Riley, for for being here. And thank you for having me. Of course. And and good luck with everything you have coming up with future concerts and live streams. Thanks. That's all we have for you for this episode. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Self-Signed Artist. Peace. Thank you.